0: Hey everybody, welcome to another AdOps Podcast. This week on the podcast, we're here to talk with Roy Peleg, who's one of the co-founders of a company called First Impression. So First Impression is a very interesting company that's built the technology to dynamically rotate different ad formats around a publisher page, based on the data that their infrastructure is picking up. So first impression is one of these new style ad tech companies is bringing large-scale machine learning and testing infrastructure, similar to sortable, who we recorded a podcast with earlier in the year, that has the ability to kind of automate processes previously done by humans. We make the kind of like ad tech to switchboard operator analogy in this podcast, and I think it's a really pertinent one. As right now, most of the decision around what should run when and how is really being done by human beings. And probably the next five, ten years, a lot of this is going to be done by machines. So, first impressions basically built the technology that allows a publisher to give over their ad layouts, and then they will determine based on user type and the other information that it's picking up what ad format should be shown when and how to what types of users, which is super interesting. If you're interested in hearing any of our other podcasts or subscribing to our weekly digest, you can subscribe at adpipes.io slash blog. So without further ado, let's get to the podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another AdOps Podcast. This week, we're here to talk kind of publisher monetization and the way the industry is changing with Roy Peleg, who's the co-founder and CEO of First Impression. How's it going, Roy? Hi, Dan. Yeah, well, I'm kind of excited to talk to you guys because I'll let you give kind of a background on First Impression, but your background is both a mix of monetizing websites as a publisher yourself and now kind of developing the technology at First Impression to rotate and test ad formats and find kind of the best way to monetize a publisher's site. Uh, But I'll let you kind of go into that. So what is kind of First Impression at a high level and what's your background?
1: All right. So, in terms of background, I was into uh, a lot of uh, website development and also uh, online publishing in general. I yep. built a few hundred websites. I had my own uh, web development business, and aside from that, I also produced many websites. Uh, some of them small blogs; other ones became uh, large technology portals. Sold a few of them. Yeah. And um, the monetization aspect of the website was always challenging. Yeah. So. When I had to actually go and uh, decide what, what, uh, what else can I try or what would work best for a specific page layout or for a specific uh, category, uh, that always uh, required me to either jump into the code mm-hmm. or just uh, like uh, consult with uh, maybe our editors and create some uh, mockups to show them like what I envision, like the next step. And it took a lot of time. And uh, not only that, but actually, even when I completed doing it, lots of the time I found out that it was all for nothing. I mean, I hardly made any money and I should have actually moved the unit a bit to the left or completely try something else. Yeah. So from that came the idea of going in and out of the code and creating all these like, uh uh, mockups with uh, screenshots and, uh, you know, circling areas and tell the uh, either a graphic designer, listen, I want a rectangle there, mm-hmm. or I want, um, imagine having a unit pushed down, and the user's call to it. All of that didn't really make sense. So having a solution that can very, very easily create dynamically new ad product based on predefined rules, or maybe even better, find out by itself what works best for every page layout, depending on the device you're using or the page layout itself or maybe even the user was something that I always thought that could make a difference
0: yeah that's very interesting I mean when you think about kind of most of the innovation in the ad tech world has been kind of in the pipes that deliver ads to a page and there hasn't been much innovation in ad formats beyond that you know they'll follow a user down a page or they'll block they'll pop up or they'll create a roadblock but it's interesting that there hasn't been much kind of like dynamic changing of ad formats
1: that that's correct basically from the down of the web the way publishers typically approached uh, on an advertising was here is my content and now giving that content generally a good idea would be to place one unit here one unit there they do it often only once when they set up the site yeah and that's how things take for a long time it can be years and along came responsive websites and uh, mobile sites, and suddenly what you uh, thought about uh, when you set up the site is not what currently takes place. Obviously, the same layout is different from uh, when you uh, read the site in different resolutions or different devices or different uh, categories. Sometimes you want to add something which might be a big video or a promotion on top of the page that might affect other aspect uh, of advertising elsewhere. So unless you're doing something that can really be reactive to all these uh, metrics, you end up with an unoptimized experience that might annoy the user and the site for that, also reduce your revenue.
0: Yeah, and that makes a ton of sense. We were kind of talking about this offline, But the reason I was so interested in talking to you guys is you guys are sitting on top of kind of this giant data set of what ad formats perform best on what pages in front of what users. And kind of we were going to go down the path of kind of like the general rules of thumb. But you're kind of saying that's generally not true. It really is situation dependent.
1: Correct. Uh, What we found out. So what we do at the company is basically we have a single tag solution. You put a snippet of code on your site. And then we can create endless uh, uh, amount of uh, ad product for very granular end cases. Yeah. That, and what we found out is that let's say, and we currently have a gallery of 19 different ad products that can be used for different uh, opportunities. One one ad product might not be relevant for all the pages, or for all the users, or mm-hmm. for all the layouts, or for all the categories. Yeah. And, we needed to add additional layers of uh, conditions in order to really optimize the right ad product for the right opportunities.
0: Yeah, so you may not be able to say that, you know, on a desktop, on a new site, this ad format is best, but how granular do you have to get before you start to see trends?
1: So. When you say seeing trends, you mean what works better in terms of revenue, what yeah. works better in terms of CTR? Exactly. So, so there's
0: clearly like there's no general best ad format for the web, but there may Correct. be a general best ad yes. format on a tablet on a new site for a certain type of audience.
1: Correct. Cool. I, I, I can definitely tell you what, what uh, publishers are uh, typically using, uh, but uh, that's far from... Actually, what makes them the most amount of uh, revenue at the end of the month? Yeah, sure.
0: That's an interesting question.
1: Okay, so obviously the the most common uh, type of ad product is the inland ad product, simply a rectangle or square uh, that you put somewhere on the page, and that's static. Obviously, it it makes a difference. People in the past uh, talked about below the fold and and above the fold. Yeah. After a while, uh, the uh, viewability uh, metric came. And then uh, it was about whether people actually seeing uh, that unit or not. Now, what we are trying to do also is to check how much money can we generate from a given user and whether that actually worth uh, showing the ad product to that user at the end of the day or not, which is another thing. So while we see a lot of publishers using that static inline ad product all the time with 100% fill, what we are doing is actually trying to uh, minimize each of our ad products to only appear when it's right for the user and for the, uh, the specific opportunity.
0: And what have you kind of learned? Like how specific is an opportunity per unit? Like have you found a certain type of unit works best in certain scenarios?
1: Absolutely. So for example, um, a page that uh, is extremely long, let's say a thousand, article, uh, a thousand words article, yeah, uh, on a smartphone present different opportunities than uh, that same article on a desktop. On a yeah. desktop, it might be, you know, you click on uh, uh, the page down button three times and you reach the end of the article. On a smartphone, you can scroll forever. Yeah. So obviously, uh, because you have such a small screen on a smartphone, you can have several different uh, units appearing uh, throughout the site without overwhelming the user. Because you have a a safety distance between them and not two units appear at the same time uh, on the screen. However, on a desktop, if you try to add, let's say 10 units, you might end up with three of them uh, appearing at the same time uh, on the screen. And that's just annoying and cluttering the page. Yeah. So I can tell you that, for example, with longer articles on smartphones, we create, we have a few ad products that can be embedded automatically with a safety distance between them.
0: Do you guys notice a trend in the way that users negatively react to ads? Like there's definitely a a right way of doing advertising. Have you guys discovered kind of a wrong way?
1: So yeah, obviously uh, we have a very experimental uh, approach. Uh, Saying right from the start that uh, we know that this unit would be awesome uh, is wrong. We actually found out at the end of the day that Uh, what we thought in the beginning is not right pretty quickly. When we add a new uh, ad product, we look at things like whether the uh, bounce rate uh, went up or uh, maybe the time on page went down or for some of our ad products have a close button. Uh, So how fast did users actually click that close button uh, comparing to what we typically see on other uh, publishers' uh, websites we're working with? So we take this data and we either uh, decide at the end of the day to completely remove that ad product for a segment of the traffic or maybe even make the unit appear in a capped way, maybe once a week instead of for every article or only on the second page instead of the first page or maybe even change its behavior. For example, adding, uh, removing animation or uh, making the close button appear a bit more dominant.
0: Yeah, it's very interesting. I mean, I think when you almost think of what most advertising operation and yield optimization people are doing right now it's almost like akin to switchboard operators with phones we've made a lot of technology to enable humans to make better decisions with advertising but we're probably not that far away from more and more of the decision making being automated
1: yeah you are you are completely correct in any case i don't think that we would ever want to completely, I mean, we give a service to uh, publishers. Yeah. Uh, at the end of the day, it's their site, and what we typically do, we come to a publisher, uh, we tell them, listen, I mean, we are doing, we we'll review your site, we come with recommendations and simulations of how each ad product that we think that might fit uh, looks like. And some publishers tell us, listen, I mean, go freestyle, you can do whatever you want, we trust you. Yeah. And then we just play with different opportunities, check the metrics, and uh, do what we think. Uh, is working best, but you'll be surprised that some publishers tell us, listen, I mean, this is exactly what we want. We understand that it might even negatively affect our visitors, but we want that unit right there. And, you know, the captain result is right, and we do at the end of the day what they tell us. Yeah. So... We save them all the technical work, hit a few buttons on our end, and suddenly that unit appears with their rule set. Do you find that if people
0: are kind of insisting on optimizing and changing their ad formats themselves, do you find that they ever outperform the automation? Uh,
1: No. To be be honest, to be honest. (laughs) I wouldn't think so. Yeah, to be honest, the intuitive aspect is uh, often counterintuitive. Uh, The the intuitive uh, part of uh, working with a given set of ad product at the end of the day, we saw that it doesn't necessarily the same alignment of ad products that the publishers are being left with. They start with something that they think that works best. We show them that the metrics show otherwise, and we completely replace that.
0: Yeah, I mean, when you think of the, the type of infrastructure that you guys have built, it's really impossible that testing something once and then applying it for a month or two would ever be testing something in real time and continuously changing it. Like you'll definitely, you'll leave so much on the table.
1: I agree. You need to uh, be very granular. Uh, We have publishers with 40 different ad products. Some of them are tailored for just 3% of the traffic. Other ones are tailored for 50% of the traffic. So the pages, because we have a dynamic platform, we really don't care about setting a lot of different ad products, even if some of them are relevant to a fraction of the traffic, just because it's so easy for us and the users get a much more tailored experience, non-intrusive uh, because we are able to both uh, measure what's the impact on them, and also remove a lot of the ad products when we see that they don't fit well to the page, which you can do when you just hardcode every unit on your site.
0: Do you see ad formats that perform well for long periods of time, or are users traditionally reacting to just a changing in the page? So obviously, when you when you change a format or a color or you know something to that extent, you'll see kind of a burst of higher revenue. Do you see that sustain ever?
1: So it depends a lot also on the um, your traffic sources. So yeah. for example, if you get a constant stream of new users, uh, let's say uh, from uh, Facebook, or you buy traffic to your website, you get new eyeballs every day. So you won't get any like fatigue or banner blindness coming to you very fast. Interesting. But if you have uh, regular readership, you can definitely see the performance decreases with time unless we are uh, making changes as we go, yeah. which is something that we do.
0: And do you, guys, do you guys take that split of new users versus returning users into account in your own technology?
1: So we don't look at new versus returning uh, when it comes to whether we should show this ad product or another ad product, but we yeah. do tackle that when it comes to how much should we charge for a specific user. So for example, we gather the history of how, how much did we earn for an, uh, from an individual user? Yeah. Uh, and if we see that uh, there are users that constantly uh, make more money, we try to even make the, uh, the minimum rate that we ask from advertisers higher. Yeah, that uh, makes sense versus new users that we don't have any information uh, about.
0: Kind of what other trends have you seen with the data that you have?
1: So for example, we see that it actually takes time to uh, understand what works best. It's certain that we see that the solution that we have actually uh, works well out of the box. We see that ECPM continuously improve as we understand how the traffic work and change the uh, uh, flow prices when we monetize the ad products uh, ourselves, yeah. We see that many of our publishers ask for more creative products. So that let's say high impact products with a good demand are in high demand uh, these days, versus yeah. circular, uh rectangle or another like floater or sticky unit that comes from the side. This is what we noticed: that uh, publishers want something different, mm-hmm. and they really, really care. We've been around for uh, three years. The conversation about what it does, uh, what a specific app product does uh, to my users, how Mm -hmm. does it affect the overall metrics uh, that I look at, like um, page views uh, in a session or uh, the time on page. That really became factors that are measured now, and uh, we didn't have them in the conversation before.
0: Yeah, I think that's interesting. I mean, so much of the industry is kind of either shifting now or going to shift in the next couple of years. Have you guys talked to anyone on the advertising side? Like, you know, in theory, they would like higher engagements on their ads themselves. Or are you guys just dealing with publishers?
1: Currently, we only talk with uh, with publishers. We yeah. created uh, this technology to primarily benefit publishers because yeah. actually this is where we came from. However, we did meet with uh, a few agencies that talked about. Finding additional high-impact supplies on quality website yeah. and be able to launch uh, campaigns quickly and uh, spread their message outside of the uh, regular units where they uh, currently advertise. And our technology actually allows them to uh, very fast create high-impact units that weren't there before just for their campaigns. These are the kind of opportunities that we are looking at towards the end of the year.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. And you think both agencies and trading desks would want some sort of guidance on what to buy and on what types of pages, if they actually want impact.
1: Uh, You're correct. Some of them ask for contextuality. We are actually able to provide that. For example, our technology is able to invoke specific ad product if specific keyword exists on the page or a set of keywords. uh, Or uh, we can combine categories on a few websites to uh, be represented as a whole for example, uh, a few different uh, categories like um, uh, water volleyball and uh, water uh, jet ski can be generally uh, combined to water sports. Yeah, true. Yeah, that's and, interesting. And then target, and then we can target these uh, categories uh, together.
0: Yeah. Do you see a difference in the way that publishers use CPM versus CPC ads, or is kind of engagement engagement? We generally look
1: only at the uh, eCPM that yep. we made it of the day. Yeah. Um, we had publishers that uh, tried to launch uh, direct campaigns with CTR as a metric, yep. and then uh, came uh, contextuality and playing with uh, automatically, by the way, with uh, color of uh, specific tech, text yeah. ads or positions of the ad, uh, but this is not something that uh, we generally look, uh, look into. We try and see how much money we make for the opportunities that uh, we get versus what the goals that the publisher gave us. Are you guys rotating demand sources as well? Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, we work currently with uh, 10 different uh, demand sources, yeah, uh, the obvious ones and uh, ones that are less trivial. Yeah, we don't really rotate between them. We actually have uh, different uh, flow set to each one of the demand partners, and we change that flow on a daily basis automatically with our platform. Yeah, and we also try to understand per demand source uh, whether we should uh, bump up flow for a specific user in real time or stick with the all day average flow that we ask
0: when i think about kind of like the rise of automation that's going to come within the advertising technology industry in a way you think it's really going to highlight the demand sources and the formats that work and then it's really going to highlight what doesn't work i wonder how much longer kind of the the marginal players that you know are buying some sort of exchange traffic and then either arbitraging it or tweaking it slightly how much longer they can stick around versus like, you know, the major credible demand sources?
1: I think we the, tre- the current trend is that you need to be more creative uh, with the forms of advertising that you have. Uh, lately, uh, native advertising like creative uh, is the thing. Right now, as I mentioned before, publishers want unique units that, uh, unique ad products that uh, uh, don't fall uh, within the uh, regular uh, products that everyone uses, especially uh, if they want to sell directly. Yeah, as long as you keep the balance uh, between uh, the ad products that you add and the effect that they have on the user and the uh, Overall revenue that you make. I think that you are in good uh, in a good position
0: Yeah, the publisher world gonna be a tricky place to strike that kind of short-term long-term view like if you had nine ads on a page it'll help revenue this week, but it'll have bad effects on revenue going forward.
1: Yeah, I mean, let's, let's uh, divide between um, uh, opportunities or the ads that you might show and the ones that you show at the end of the day, because our platform is able to actually hide the ad products when they're uh, less relevant. So we might try to load complete page takeover uh, for yeah. a very high CPM. And if that won't work and it's done completely in the background, we'll try to load a different unit, which might be less of a high impact, but uh, still going to make sufficient amount of money uh, instead. So while we might set up 10 different ad products to potentially load on the page, we put them in a sequence, so only five of them uh, might appear at a given moment.
0: Let's say there was a publisher that kind of was interested in your technology, but you know you couldn't or onboard them as quickly as they wanted to, or they had to go without you guys for some reason. What advice would you have to them in terms of monetizing their pages?
1: I would say you need to be experimental. Yeah. Uh, um, and setting things once and uh, telling to yourself, even you know, just adding one unit. Telling to yourself, yeah, I just I, I tried uh, uh, medium rectangle and I put it in the beginning of the content and it didn't make me enough money. Giving up on that unit without making additional experiments, like shifting it around uh, the content and seeing what makes more money would be uh, kind of like a waste of time. Yeah. Uh, the chances that you'll be right right from the beginning is pretty slim. And part of the advantage of the platform is that it can automatically rotate between different positions, yeah. automatically, per page, and find out which one works best.
0: Yeah. I think kind of like you guys and Sortable, any of the other companies that are bringing kind of like large scale testing infrastructures into uh, the advertising technology world with kind of additional machine learning automation are in a really good place in the next couple of years.
1: Uh, yeah. Sortable are of doing, uh, uh, doing a good job. And uh, in many ways, we complement each other.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's, they're essentially the pipes. And you guys are what the users are seeing.
1: Yeah. I mean, we build uh, we build the real estate. They optimize what's in there. We yeah. do that on our own as well, but uh, for many publishers, they might want to uh, give the uh, monetization uh, to uh, someone else or do it themselves, and uh, we don't stop them there. Yeah. We tell, tell them we know how to create great real estate. If you think that you can make more money yourself after doing it, then go ahead.
0: Yeah, then great. Um, and there may be a couple that, you know, for some niche reason or another can do that. All right, sweet man. This is very informational. Yeah, I think kind of the next wave of successful ad tech companies are going to bring much larger kind of infrastructure and automation. The trick almost of the industry is it's very tough from the marketing material to see like who has put serious technology infrastructure into something and who's just kind of hiding behind kind of the black box model when in reality there's no technology there.
1: I yeah. I, I agree.
0: Yeah, it's, it's got to be tough for you guys that you know, have definitely put the the energy in and built something substantial versus something that, you know, black box means there's actually nothing in there.
1: I think that you need to be completely uh, transparent uh, with the users. I don't, it never worked for us when we told them, listen, I mean, trust us. Yeah, trust us, we got this. We are optimizing in the background. Yeah. It was always, we found that uh, we got the most uh, uh, cooperation uh, from our publishers and the most understanding when we were completely transparent and were able to show them, listen, I mean, we the platform automatically decided to uh, raise the floor to two and a half dollars on this day, and then we uh, the bounce rate uh, might went up two weeks after, not necessarily related to that. So we decided to move the unit a bit, uh, a bit towards uh, the bottom of the uh, article, and once they understand that things actually happen, and we are yeah. not just uh, dismissing them with. It, don't worry, we are doing it. Yeah, they they understand and they stick with us.
0: How do kind of how does a publisher's business model change once you guys are handling this part of kind of the product and the monetization? Like, what do they tend to focus on once this is off their hands?
1: It doesn't change. The idea is to complement what they are doing, taking some part which they currently. I mean, I, n- I never met a publisher that says, "Yeah, I, I love experimenting. Or yeah. Uh, it makes my day to contact a developer and ask him to put a piece of code yeah, uh, right there. So we want to remove that hassle and let them focus on what they do best, which is producing great content. And uh, let us decide in what way it is best to uh, try and monetize that content.
0: All right, sweet Roy, this is very, uh, very informational. Any kind of parting thoughts you have for the AdOps world?
1: <laughs> well, there is no one rule that uh, can be set and uh, like magic can work for uh, everyone. You really need to expand and you need the right tools uh, to do it, otherwise you'll find yourself wasting a lot of time. It's much more easy to do it uh, with the right tools.
0: Yeah, I think so too. All right, sweet, thanks Roy. Okay, thank you very much, thanks for having me. Have a good one.